Welcome to episode 33 of Free the Geek, the podcast about growing software development skills and building a rewarding software development career. I'm your host, Matthew Setter, and in this week's episode, I'm talking with Matt Stauffer about why he got into Laravel, what he looks for when hiring developers, and so much more. See you in a bit. Well, g'day, 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 g'day. How is life in your part of the world? Now, here we are back with another season of Free the Geek FM. And since we're kicking off the new season, if you will, with this episode, I guess I should get in and have a little bit of a chat to you about what's going on, what's been going on, and where things are going with the podcast. Now, that is before I dive in and talk about the interview with Mr. Matt Stauffer. Um, I guess, as you can see, if you browse the website or look in your podcast feed, you can see that it's been a little while since uh, the last episode was published, and there's a little bit of a break in the timing. Um, I'm going to kind of maybe fill that in in the next episode. I don't want to take up too much of your time here today. But suffice to say that I guess when I got started with the podcast, it sort of started on a bit of a whim, and I think it was a pretty good whim, a pretty good idea. But to be fair, I don't really feel that I um, appreciated just how much work would go into a podcast, how much time they can take, and doing the editing myself and so forth, and lining up guests and all the various bits and pieces, just what would be involved. So it kind of didn't maintain a rhythm, even though I, I kind of wanted it to. Now, anyway, fast forward a bit of time, had a bit of time away at Christmas to think about it, had some time out from the podcast to, cons- to consider, did I really want to keep doing this or not? The sum total, or I guess you can guess, that since we're back, the answer was, yes, I do want to keep doing it. Now, my intent is to actually do this every week, as opposed to every two weeks, I believe, I had before, and have a different guest, but all kind of manner and types of guests, before I largely stuck to people from the PHP community, but this time I want to sort of go wider and wider and wider as wider as wide as possible. Because I really want it to live up to the the new title, which is quite similar to the old strapline, not title, which is how to help developers have a meaningful and log lived career. So not just code, but also what some would refer to as soft skills. So I'm looking for all sorts of manner and type of people and I'm seeking to sit down and chat with them each and every week. Now, it may be a little bumpy at the start, but I hope you'll stick with me. That's my kind of off-the-cuff nutshell about where things were, where things are, where they're going. A quick thing about I hope you are well. I hope wherever it is that you're listening to this, whatever time of day it is, I hope uh, life is treating you well and the new year is shaping up to something that you'd like it to be. Anyway, let's not have too much waffle from me and let's get into a little bit of an overview about this episode. Now, as I've said in the intro, as I've said just before, I had the pleasure of talking to Matt Stauffer. Now, a little bit of background. This actually took a little bit of time to set up. And to be honest, I kind of gaffed it originally. And Matt was kind enough to and quite patient enough to want to come back on and have a chat to me again. We had a good time chatting about all manner of things, such as um, how Titan, the company that he co-founded, started, the kind of people they hire, why they hire those people, 
how they started out with Code Igniter and then ultimately moved on to Laravel, how he became or decided to become part of the Laravel community, what attracted him to it, what kept him there, and what um, helped him sort of stay engaged and want to become and give more to that community. On top of that, we talk about um, his perspective to writing code, developers, languages, frameworks, and an absolute host of other information around those topics. It is an episode that, to be honest, I really, really enjoyed just sitting down and listening to him share an absolute torrent of information. I'm sure you will too. One thing to note just before we dive on in is that I didn't actually appreciate. I was using a new tool to record the episode and I and for some reason, even though I was positive that I had configured things at my end properly, um, Matt's end is the audio is beautiful. Mine, unfortunately, seemed to, be get, to get recorded with the internal microphone. Uh, please don't let that put you off. What Matt has to say is brilliant. You definitely want to have a listen to this. And with all that said, it is over to the interview with Matt. And I'll chat to you afterwards. All righty. Um, all right. Well, uh, to kick off the podcast, um, on the podcast here with me today is Matt Stauffer from Titan, do I say Titan Co or just Titan, Matt? Yeah, the, the, co, the co is silent. You did it right. Awesome. Titan. <laughs> um, okay, if you want to tell everybody uh, a little bit about yourself so we can uh, get started. Yeah, so uh, my name's Matt. I run um, together with my partner, Dan Titan, which is a web consultancy. We work in Laravel, Vue, and React. Um, I'm an O'Reilly author of Laravel Up and Running. And I like to blog, I make videos on YouTube, I stream, I teach. Uh, I'm basically a teacher at heart who happens to be in the programming industry right now. Um, so I do everything I can to basically help people learn how to code. Um, and that's, I think that's it. I'm from Atlanta. That's about mm -hmm. it. That sounds awesome. Um, okay, well, since I'm not too familiar myself uh, with Titan, how about we kick off with uh, talking about a bit about Titan? Like, what's the story behind it? The a bit more of the focus yeah, absolutely. Uh, and how it all came about. Yeah. So Titan is a web consultancy. We started, um, so the way it started was my business partner, Dan in college started a company um, with several friends called good food productions. And they worked primarily with people who are doing kind of good in the world. So they worked with um, nonprofits and stuff like that. Um, over time, each of them kind of split off and did their own thing. And he was working on his own for a while. At the same time, I had done freelance work um, for a long time, but I was working for a nonprofit and I moved up to Chicago for my wife to go to school. And I was working at a co-working space trying to find work. And I was staying late teaching one of my friends how to use HTML5 boilerplate. So this was in 2010, I think. And this guy comes out of the office. He's the only person in the co-working space who I haven't met before. And he says, wait, are you a programmer? I'm trying to hire a programmer for a job. And I said, yeah. And secretly inside, I'm thinking, oh, thank God, I can't find any work in this town. And somebody just drops in my lap. So we did some projects together. This was um, Code Igniter and responsive, um, CS, responsive Web Design before that was like, I don't even know if the book was out yet at that point. It was the earliest days of responsive Web Design. And so we did, I wrote some like the JavaScript libraries and CSS libraries that were like early days responsive stuff. And we were seeing really great responses and the clients loved it. And we just discovered that we really enjoyed working together. So we decided to start um, to kind of reform his company as our company together. We renamed it to Titan. 
Um, and it was just the two of us and we slowly grew. Our first employee was someone who did live in Chicago. Um, but after that, um, everybody else has been remote in the U S um, Mexico and Canada. And then also I promptly moved away from Chicago. So we became a fully remote company pretty quickly. Um, for the longest time, we kind of called ourselves solutions architects or however you want to think about it, where we just said, Oh, whatever the problem you have is, you know, we'll solve it. And our reputation there was mainly Dan's reputation. And it, that wasn't around a particular tech stack. It was just for making good web applications and websites. Um, but over time, as I kept blogging, because like I said, I'm somebody who really likes to teach, um, I discovered Laravel and I said, oh, well, I'm going to blog everything I learned about Laravel. And the response there was way different than the response for my blogging about um, responsive, that kind of stuff. It was such a really kind of robust learning community and really consumed all of it. And so very quickly we got established in the Laravel community. I started speaking at conferences and stuff like that. And, you know, we kind of made the switch to saying, you know what, this is going to be our primary tech stack. And so we started working primarily with Laravel and then later with Vue and React. Uh, it was, I think we did Angular first. So today we have 20 something people, um, spread across North America. Um, most of them are programmers, but we also have a designer and then some support people. And uh, we are a consultancy. We work primarily with startups who've chosen Laravel for some reason. Um, uh, and sometimes it's, the reason is just because they chose PHP and they think Laravel is the best fit. Or sometimes they did a lot of looking across multiple languages and pick Laravel. Um, we work with nonprofits and larger organizations that have a reason to be in PHP. And then um, we also do uh, kind of rescues and refactors. We will work with people who have uh, long existing PHP code bases where they want to modernize and we help them modernize. Okay. That is, wow. Um, in amongst all that, I think the thread that I want to, to pick out from that is, is I guess, Laravel itself. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I guess the main reason is that I think like around the time, if I'm a bit hazy, but around the time I think it was Laravel started to come to prominence, there were so many other existing frameworks, but Laravel seemed to kind of come out of the, I think out of the blue might yeah. not be the right term, but, and it sort of more just say in effect, almost sort of took over. I'm curious as to what kind of drew you to it or when you got into it, maybe sort of kept you in there. Was it the community um, around Laravel? Was it uh, the technology stack? itself or a combination of factors? What kind of really drew you in and, and kept you in? That's a fantastic question. So we had been using CodeIgniter and CodeIgniter was fantastic because uh, the docs were really, really good. It's very easy to learn. We actually got into CodeIgniter, um, at least I did, because I had been doing... So I'd originally been more of a um, vanilla PHP developer and then front end. Um, I learned... Uh, WordPress and Expression Engine and a lot of those tools and Expression Engine was powered by CodeIgniter. So CodeIgniter was the easiest switch for me. I had tried Cake PHP and a couple other options and Zend, um, but I really clicked well with CodeIgniter because of the the language and the simple or the, the sorry, the docs and some of the simplicity of it. However, the community, especially the company that was running it, were super, super toxic and the type of thing where you'd stick around long enough and you just want to be gone. So a lot of us, and one of the one of the effects of that toxicity is that it didn't mature. There was a lot of people in the community who knew that there was new technologies that needed to improve, um, but the company the, the company behind it wouldn't sign off um, on those upgrades, so it just stagnated. So a lot of kind of CodeIgniter successors came out around the same time. Some of them intentionally CodeIgniter successors, some of them just timing wise CodeIgniter successors, um, and. Uh, 
they all had very a lot of similarities, um, and some of the biggest differences had to do with community, um, but some of them also had to do with approach. And some of the approach differences, I'm sure you'll be aware of if anybody's ever listened to debates around Laravel, have to do with how simple should things be and how, you know, quote unquote, pure should they be and all that kind of stuff. Um, what attracted me to Laravel um, originally, interestingly, was... Um, I was looking, I had been spending a lot more time working in Rails um, and I was really falling in love with Rails and um, we were really on the verge of making a switch. And I had some Codeigniter project I was still assigned to work on. And so I said, well, let me start working in the ways I want to work in PHP. And one of the things I wanted to do was dependency injection. So I was trying to find a good DI container um, for PHP. And I found this article by Taylor Otwell, this young, you know, unknown guy about containers and dependency injection. And he had built a, um, a dependency injection container for CodeIgniter, but I couldn't find it. So I messaged him and I said, Hey, where's this container? He says, Oh, I kind of deprecated that. It's now in Laravel. You should check it out. So I, I tried out Laravel and I said, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so Part of it was just the technical aspects of it. It was doing things that other things weren't doing. And it, the way it did things really made sense for me. A really understanding developer experience before people even started talking about that was really huge. But very quickly, it became abundantly clear that, and I didn't know how intentional it was at the beginning, that there's a really rich and robust and welcoming and friendly and kind community around this thing. And I learned so much from IRC. I learned so much from people's blog posts. Um, and just so many people there who wanted to teach and wanted to help. And so joining it as a newbie, um, first of all, it had the technical things I wanted. Second of all, it really had really beautiful and easy APIs that just really made sense for my brain. But I think most significantly was just the community, um, not only Taylor as an individual who I did get to have really positive interactions with, um, but also the community in terms of what they were like online. And then I ended up going to Laracon US and Laracon EU and had even more experiences of it. And I was just in love. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Taylor a couple of times. Um, to be honest, I, I didn't know what to expect because when I first <laughs> met him, I think it was at PHP World, possibly um, in, in DC, because I sort of saw this online profile. But then I sort of saw him at the conference and I think it was just this random, I didn't have much to say exactly, but I kind of wanted to say something, which can go well, can go awkwardly. And right. I just said, hi, you're Taylor. And he's like, hi. I went, oh, that's different to what I thought was coming. Okay. And then right. just this conversation sort of rolled. And then I think I then was at, at ZenCon and I didn't see him, but he saw me and he's like, hey, I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? And yeah, he, he, I'm maybe a cheap plug. He's, he's definitely been, been kind to me. Um, I haven't used, that said, I haven't used Laravel a lot, but I mean, he always struck me as a, you know, he was, has always been good to me. Um, yeah. And I see that sense of community. A lot of the people who um, I know who are into Laravel do talk of the community a lot, and that's a good thing because I think I was involved in some communities years ago, and yeah, some people were very very toxic and it you can have a wonderful technology then the people can just ruin it for you so um what there's an i don't i hope you don't mind if i jump in there's there's an interesting thing that um so we started small right had a really wonderful and welcoming community um but jumping way ahead um laravel's very big right now and as a result of that it has become the default place that a lot of new people come, which means we have a huge influx of people who are coming for a lot different reasons than they would have 
you know, five years ago. And the interesting result of that is um, I can find toxic people in the Laravel community for you. I can find terrible programmers in Laravel uh, community for you. I can find people who are unkind and manipulative and whatever in the Laravel community for you. So whereas I'm sure that might have been the case originally, um, the, as it has grown large and it's, it's, somebody said it's kind of like the, there's the PHP is like the gaping mouth of, you know, like post WordPress, you know, web application development and Laravel is really sitting right there at the gaping mouth. It really brings in so many people. So it's now a little bit less about, is there toxicity within the community? The answer is yes. Any community this big has it, but more, you know, what does the leadership, um, allow and encourage? And so it's kind of shifted over time from, early days being, hey, this is a really helping and welcoming community. And these days being, this is a community where those with positions of power um, try to ensure that the voices that are welcoming and healthy are amplified and the voices that are toxic are whatever the opposite of amplified are. Okay. Well, actually, that's a really excellent thing to have. Um, On the point of, as you said, they're at the gaping mouth. And in in a lot of ways, I guess, it's sort of seen as, um, what would you say, I kind of perceive it as like Laravel first sort of PHP second in a way, perhaps incorrectly. Um, being so popular, being so large, um, how I'm trying to actually structure this question on the fly. The, the kind of people that sort of come in, do you find that, um, like maybe the newer ones, they have to be sort of mentored a lot or they can rapidly progress or what kind of person generally come comes in sorry if that's really broad and abstract no no it's it it makes a ton of sense there's everything um so just an example of the people i've been working with recently um who are learning laravel we have one person who just recently graduated from a boot camp and uh found laravel and said oh this is where i want to learn uh we had one person who's been writing java for 14 years and finally wanted to do a different kind of web stack we have one person who's been writing PHP for ages, but only ever done Laravel and uh, fun stuff and finally is jumping into production Laravel. We have a few people who recently graduated from a code school. We've had people who have been working with um, Zend or handled PHP for the last probably 10 years or something like that. And that's just what people I've interacted with in the last four days. Um, so we've got everything. We've got people who are old head, you know, been programming for ages, who are looking at the the young, you know, hot thing. And we've got people who just learned how to write HTML and CSS within the last 12 months. And so the needs for each of those groups, groups is really different. And so one of the things I'm doing right now is um, trying to spend this year really trying to make it easier for people to join the Laravel community who want to through two things. One of them is that the next season of the Laravel podcast is going to be a little bit more introductory. So each episode will be about a single topic with a single sort of like maybe expert in the community teaching about that topic. But then the second thing is this tool called OnRamp. Uh, it's at onramp.dev. And what it is is basically... we all meet people who say, I want to become a programmer. And what I wanted to be able to do is have a single canonical source to give them to say, hey, if you want to be a Laravel programmer, go here. And even in building that, we've had to ask ourselves the question of where is this person coming from? Just like you were asking. So OnRip doesn't target everybody. It targets people who I think I'm most likely to want to point them to a single resource. But within OnRamp, I've got the three groups that I'm targeting there. And they are A, uh, somebody who just graduated from a boot camp um, or has never gone to boot camp at all and really doesn't have a lot of experience programming. So that we're really calling them the new programmer. Uh, more likely to be not boot camped, but maybe recent boot camp grads. Uh, B, front end programmers. They know you React, maybe they know Vue, but they don't have the back end experience. And C, uh, WordPress developers, uh, WordPress developers who want to actually have a custom web application framework under their belt. 
Mm-hmm. So those are three big groups and their needs are, are strikingly similar. Uh, the WordPress developer needs the same things that the front end developer does, but also maybe a little bit of additional contextualization for how the concepts in Laravel map to the, the concepts of WordPress. Um, and then of course the brand new programmer needs all the same thing that those two groups need plus HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you know, Git, that kind of stuff. Um, the people who don't get matched well by on-ramp tend to be faster because they probably already know object-oriented programming, advanced PHP. You know, if, if you know all those things, jumping in Laravel is really just learning a lot of conventions. It's not about learning how to program. Um, so yeah, there's a huge range, if, that, if, that, if that's a good answer to your question. No, that's, that's um, perfect. Do you, uh, sticking with Laravel a bit longer, do you feel that, or what would you say, because um, it's like in a lot of positive uh, tones, are there any kind of gotchas or things to be aware of? Or um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say darker side because that has a, a connotation that I, I don't want. Um, but are there sort of things that, Uh, people have to maybe be aware of or that do catch people out. Maybe that's a better question. Um, hmm. I would say that, so this isn't an exact answer, but if someone were to just ask me without context, what's the darker side of Laravel? And that was their question um, at all. Um, I would say the darker side of Laravel is related to the fact that there's such a broad user base. Um, so one of the things I've said often is that people can write bad code in any um, language, in any framework, in any library. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of people will look at the code written in a particular context and say, oh, that's bad code, therefore this context is bad. And what it is in reality is that bad code can be written no matter what. I've seen bad code written with DDD practices. I've seen bad code written in jQuery. I've seen bad code written in you know, Symfony and Laravel and Zen or whatever. There's bad code everywhere. And I, I, I'm a consultant by day. I, I'm paid to A, write new code, but B, fix other people's code. And so I've seen bad code everywhere. Uh, and so just understanding that is important for us as people. However, if you do have a, a place where it's more likely to have people who are either new and or uninterested in learning to write good code, and those are not the same thing, but they both end up being with people writing not as good code, then it, the, the group that has the most of those people has the biggest broad application of bad code, right? And so one of the things that I think has seen, I've seen is a downside. It's not really a downside of Laravel. It's really a downside of how people look at it is that they say, I've seen a lot of poorly written code using Laravel. Laravel's terrible or Laravel community doesn't know what they're doing. And I said, no, really what it is, is Laravel invites beginners and beginners write bad code. And so there's more bad code written in Laravel. And so I think the the, the downside of that is, um, I think that people have a perception that there's bad code and, and maybe there might be actual true downsides. If you've got that many beginners, maybe they have an influence, but I haven't really seen them have negative influence. To me, beginners are wonderful. And I would love for them to write bad code because the next day they're going to write better code. And, you know, I write bad code and hopefully the next day I write better code. That's why I stream so everyone can see the bad code I'm writing. And I've been working with Laravel since Laravel 3. And I've been programming professionally in some context since 2002. And, you know, I still write bad code and I still stack overflow all day. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. hopefully that's something we don't stress people about. But I think that would be it. Um, okay. I would say if I have any broader fear in terms of what you said. Um, my biggest fear is that Laravel is trying to do a really, a tailor and leadership are trying to do a really good job of both creating and curating a really healthy space. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, not being like, um, uh, what's the word dictators, 
right? And so there's this balance of what do you allow and what do you stop? What do you, you know, what do you allow to exist on its own merit and what do you encourage? And so the, the, the goal of allowing things and people to exist without outside influence, um, the further you go to laissez-faire freedom, the more opportunity you have for people to be jerks to each other. And so it's always this kind of fine balance of how to create a good and healthy and welcoming community and also to not like basically like control and strangle every individual expression. So I don't think it's a downside relative to other communities, but mm -hmm. as someone within the community who wants to see it good, I think my biggest concern is that we do a really good job of handling that dynamic well. That honestly sounds like, um, sorry, I'm, I've got two little kids, one's almost three and one is just over six. And honestly, it sounds like raising kids. I, I don't mean that kind of, yeah. uh, we'll just say pejoratively, but that sense of yeah, you want to give freedom. You want to say, okay, look, what do you think of? What what interests you? What would you do with this? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, here's how far we can go to kind of give uh, to give focus to it. Um, yeah. I'm I'm sorry, it just it, it popped into my mind. Um, my kids are three and seven, so I, I'm I'm there with you on it. And it's interesting because um, Laravel has different opinions on this than other people do. So, for example, I would say it's likely that Laravel is a little bit more. Um, likely to kind of encourage positive and welcoming and friendly behavior than mm -hmm. I've seen in some other online places. So maybe a little bit more controlling there. But interestingly, especially compared to other PHP spaces, Laravel is less likely to do things that would enforce what some people would think of as pure or good code. Laravel is much more likely to say, here's some tools, do whatever you want with them. And people would say, well, why don't you strictly type hint it and blah, 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 make sure they don't make mistakes. And Laravel is actually more likely to say, eh, you know what, write the code you want to write with it. So there's even within a given community, you can mm -hmm. be more free in some ways and then less free in other ways. And so that motivation comes from, uh, like, is it just a sort of a choice from, from leadership or it, it grew organically? That, that sort I of think all of the above. Okay. I think I think in the end it's probably Taylor. Um, I would say that a lot of the imputation, the imp, the sorry, a lot of the implications of all these things come from Taylor's high level values as a human being. I would say that one of those values is that um, it's more important to enable people to build what they want to build than it is to get them to write, you know, quote unquote correct code. Um, and so the the value there is people and productivity and tools being tools, not your life, um, rather than the value of getting everything right and doing it correct and all that kind of stuff. And so the, the Taylor definitely has a, a value of enabling people. Like I gave a whole talk at um, Laracon this year about how, why has Laravel been so successful over the last, I think I said eight years, it must've been. And one of my big points was because it wasn't about being the best coding framework. It was about um, how much people's lives had been transformed by working with it. And you hear story after story after story of people saying, I X until Laravel and now why? And the why is some some improvement in some way, shape or form. And so I think that's, that is in, in a deep part of uh, Taylor's goals is to, uh, to, rec to give people a space where they feel like they belong and they have the tooling available to them to do the things they want for their company, for their career, for their life, for their customers, or their clients, whatever else. And those goals are best met by flexibility. They're best met by allowing people to do what works for them and makes sense for them where they are rather than restricting them so that they have to do it a certain way. Hmm. Okay. No, actually, I actually like that. I was talking with a friend um, just today. He's, um, uh, what do you call them? They call them mature age students back home. 
Um, but coming back to or starting uni after after many years of, of work, oh yeah yeah, mm-hmm. and I was saying something similar. It's like well, you can do whatever you want to do. You can you can write it in any language, but there's a focus on um, trying to sort of I guess got to keep my my thoughts clear on that. Um, I was trying to sort of look at principles of all you know what exactly do you want to do and then let's get that done as opposed to kind of worrying about what's the the, like the right way if there is such a thing to do it is to kind of more get started and then iterate as you're going along um yeah okay no i i I do like that emphasis on what would you say practicality and flexibility within um within reason i guess or within a kind of a broad scope well, and, and there's a, that's a really good point. You said within reason and reason is, uh, very subjective, uh, you know, getting one person or another to, to agree with what rin, within reason means is going to be very difficult. Uh, and you know, I had a tweet that went out last week. I showed a pattern that I really liked and the responses to it were really polarizing. And the responses to that tweet were either, oh, that's interesting. Um, there's a middle ground of, I don't like that, but I respect you to, to put whatever you want. And there's a huge swath of people saying, are you an idiot? How could you possibly imagine that is so destructive and damaging and terrible and all that kind of stuff. And I would say that that particular thing I showed would be something where two people would look at that piece of code and decide differently about whether it's within reason. Right. And so mm-hmm. within reason reflects your values. Uh, what what is acceptable and unacceptable? Um, and so, e- you know, even in a space where we can say, oh, well, you can you know, make it flexible and free within reason. You have to recognize that everyone is going to approach it differently. So I do think that there's both the fact that I think Laravel is much more um, free. Um, you know, versus other places more constraining. But also one of the things I love about the Laravel community is that that's not true for the whole community. That's just true maybe for the framework. But there's huge swaths of the Laravel community who are strict type, strict return, you know, DDD, uh, final classes, all the things you would associate with very strict and kind of architecture heavy PHP. There's huge swaths of the Laravel community that code like that. Um, but the difference for me in the Laravel community is those people aren't looking at my code and saying, you're a horrible human being and don't know what you're doing. And I'm not looking at their code being like, oh, how could you write, you know, such verbose stuff? I just say, hey, you have a different coding style than I do. And that's fine. And that's so we even within Laravel, we have that diversity, but we have respect for each other as, you know, as programmers and as people. Okay. I, I like how you say that, that, that sense of, of respect, because it seemed to be, uh, I don't know. I haven't focused on it for a bit, but Laravel seemed to come out of the blue and then seemed to get hated on a hell of a lot. And then that seemed to settle. Um, but then there seemed to be sort of to and fro's kind of from sort of all sides as to what was right and what was wrong. But the way you put it, it sounds, I don't know, it, it sounds a, a lot more rounded, a lot more balanced viewpoint. So it's, it's really comforting and, and heartening to hear that. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of different reasons for the hate. Um, I would say it's still there. If you if you just go check out my tweet that I did where I, I put a code sample out about, I'm trying to remember what the sample was about now, about, um, oh, a preferences helper. And we'll try to see if we can link it in the show notes. But mm-hmm. if you look at the responses there, I would say a solid quarter of them, maybe an eighth of them, mentioned about how everything coming out of Laravel is terrible. Um, so the hate is still there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But the question is, why is that hate there? And there's, there's a diversity of answers. Uh, but the the most consistent thing that I've seen has some combination of um, it's very successful and I don't think it should be. Um, and 
uh, I disagree with this particular. Well, actually, there's not even a combination. It's just that it's successful, and I don't think it should be uh, because people don't have that level of hate when you know somebody introduces something that nobody ever looks at and they agree- disagree with it. So it is that I don't think it should be so popular. I don't think that, and often it, it is. I don't think it should be more popular than my thing, which I think is technically superior. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so there's just so much of that. You know, oh, how could you call that a facade? You don't know. In mine, I call it the right thing. You know, kind of thing. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like. You know, I'm not saying it's jealousy, but I am saying that when someone sees something succeed that they feel like is not as good as other options that aren't seeing the same levels of success, that can often really frustrate them. And I really think that that's where a lot of the the hate comes from. Yeah, that that definitely seems to be my perception of it is, is why is this doing well when I feel it shouldn't be for um, um, reason, belief, ideology, X, Y, Z. Um, and it shouldn't, because if it was doing less well, or, or mine was doing better in comparison to it, then that'd be okay. But since it's not, there's yep. a the, 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 there's that disparity there. Well, then I guess I feel um, obliged or okay to kind of hack on it or hate on it. Um, yep. Yeah, there, there definitely was a lot of that, and there was that, that Puritan aspect. But the more you're talking about sort of Laravel in maybe in, in comparison to, say, the wider PHP community, is something I've then seen you then take the PHP community in relation to the wider software development community or the other languages. Yep. So many um, uh, like sort of companies or blogs will always talk about, and if you're coding in C Sharp, Python, even Shell Script, C, um, and Ruby, and this kind of PHP is either kind of maybe you mentioned or it's never there. It, yeah. seem, it seems to have it's a like mirror a there. Yeah, it's like, well, why could you code in it? Because there's always like the double, what do we call it? The, the double claw hammer or that, there was that article yeah. from years ago. Uh, that, yeah. And it's still, yeah, the, um, what's it called? The, the I remember that Phil introduced a package just so that that, our, that article wouldn't go up as high in Google. Um, what was yeah. it called? Oh, Fractal of Bad Design. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Well, and it's so it's it's interesting sociologically because if you think about it, um, any group that has been oppressed has people within the group that are oppressed. And I'm not saying PHP or Laravel are oppressed, but I think there's a parallel. Mm-hmm. Any group that has been oppressed has people within the group that then find people, subgroups within that group to oppress so that they can have power of their own. And so one of the most common examples that's used, it's a little bit less relevant, is that within the um, concentration camps, there were people there who were given the positions of power over the other prisoners, but in the end, they're still prisoners. Mm. But more connected was um, when you find basically racial minorities that are all oppressed, you'll find that, that within they, they, they build up caste systems. So for example, if you've got immigrants who are all assigned the same race, they'll say, yeah, well, I might be the same race, but at least I'm not from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it's it's sad because it's, it's a way that that oppression actually uh, people carry on their oppression and uh, apply it to other people. And so I think it's the same idea, obviously, much less significantly, <laughs> where PHP is looked down on and it's snubbed. And so what do PHP developers do? Out of some sort of inferiority complex or whatever, they turn around and they try to make other people like WordPress and Laravel primarily feel like they're incompetent idiots. And it, well, at least, you know, I might write PHP, but at least I don't write Laravel kind of thing. And so you'd think that the experience of having been looked down on for your whole programming career would help you learn some empathy but you know it has to be an intentional thing and when people aren't intentional about it uh they end up instead just kind of passing the pain on yeah and sort of hurt people hurt people and all that yeah and sort of not perhaps not realizing it uh like doing the very thing that was done to them then to someone else Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I like I like the parallel. Um, I picked up on that one in uh, was it Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning was yeah. was excellent for that. Disturbing yet excellent at the same time. Yep. Ah, and that's a hell of a tangent from where we started. Oh, sorry, a, a, a <laughs> segue or a, a journey from where we first started. Um, right. So all right, so we're coming down to probably the latter half or the latter part of uh, the session. So how about we kind of return back to the, the Titan story and look at uh, hiring people, um, you know, what kind of um, person sort of becomes like the, what we, what you would see is like the best developer, the person who sort of has, it seems to kind of live up to a sense of potential and, and deliver the best value. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think that in hiring, we want to find someone who is going to be happy um, doing our work and we're going to be happy with the work that they do. Like, And so I think that I, I've never actually put it that way before, so that might fall apart as I th talk through it. But I kind of just think of it as a... Um, I kind of think of it as a, we, we want people. So if you were to talk purely from a, a pragmatic HR perspective, um, human resources, you want to be at a place where the people who work for you work for you as long as possible, because that's the best. Well, other than the fact that the constantly raising salary might be a concern, it's best because you don't have to constantly be going through the hiring process, all that kind of stuff. And for us, ideologically, we love the idea that people like working here long enough uh, or, or so much that they want to stay longer. Um, so for us to, to create a space in which the people who work for us are very happy there is a part us defining the culture, but it's also a part us reaching for people who we think will be satisfied by what we provide. Because some people, you know, won't be happy with remote and some people won't be happy with the fact that we're a consultancy instead of a product company. And we try to really expose our faults in the hiring process so that people can have the opportunity to opt in if it's what makes sense for them. So that's one piece, their happiness. Um, our piece um, in terms of their happiness has a couple different pieces. We need self-managers, um, self-teachers. Uh, we need empathetic, caring people who... Um, can learn uh, new things. Um, so usually people who are self-taught um, have an easier time working at Titan than people who uh, are not. Even if the person has a CS degree, we found a computer science degree, we found that uh, people who have an easier time working with us have some history of working on their own um, or some history of um, uh, putting taking things into their own hands in some way. Um, and so we found that the ability to have that experience, to endure the pain that happens when you don't do it right, um, you know, all those things uh, really kind of grows and challenges and teaches somebody. Um, and so as a result, something interesting is that it's actually a lot easier to hire a kind, empathetic um you know, person who's run their own company in a different industry, you know, who knows how to handle life, um, who is smart and can teach themselves and learn who have no exposure to our tech stack than it is to hire somebody who's a total pro at our tech stack and very static, doesn't grow, doesn't challenge themselves, can't manage themselves, just needs a list of things to be done. And at the end of the day says, well, I did what was on your list. You know, we, we like to have small teams of people who require a minimal overhead and oversight to do the best job for the client and to do the best job for the client, especially when a lot of our clients are non-technical a lot of them don't know how to build an app, requires um, the ability to hear what they're saying, to translate um, what they're saying into actual kind of needs, what's the minimum viable product and all that kind of stuff, to be able to understand and empathize with the best way to meet those needs in the simplest way possible, to architect 
uh, you know, the work in a way that you can build it iteratively because we're super agile, um, it to deliver value early and often communicate well, take feedback well, even when the feedback isn't given well, um, to split tasks well and to do pairing. Well. You know, there's, there's so many more than coding aspects of doing the job well. And so when we're hiring, we're, yeah, we're trying to figure out um, what you know, but I'm much more interested in knowing how do you in, you know, how do you handle when things don't go your way? How do you handle when you don't know the thing in front of you? How well do you read people? Um, how well do you uh, take big things and split them into small things? You know, what really complicated things have you dealt with that you didn't think you'd be able to, and yet you found a way to get around it, you know? And so for us, it's that person um, you know, it sounds like a, you know, superhuman in some ways, but that person who's capable of taking really whatever we throw at them and just has the right posture and attitude to be able to, to handle it, whether or not it's something they know how to do. We know that we can trust that when I throw that thing at you, you're going to be able to figure it out. Um, there are some other factors we think about in terms of, you know, technical competence. We've had some of the kindest, nicest, smartest people in the world and just had them discover, you know what, I'm not just not a programmer. Um, you know, and you know, transition to other uh, roles and other companies, and that's perfectly fine. So there are other things to think about. Um, but I think those are probably our most important pieces is really just how they are as people. And like, for me, I, I would rather create a team of people that I like working with that do good work than a team of people that I, you know, can't stand or who treat each other like garbage or whatever, who um, who maybe do like a little bit better work. And I think the 10 X engineer is a myth, but I do think that it's a really important to have that conversation about the fact that a lot of the descriptions of the 10 X engineer describe somebody who's totally insufferable to actually interact with. Um, and of course we always want to bounce, right? We want some people who are just like thinking the deepest thoughts and the most creative and amazing things. And sometimes their personalities might be different than some other person who is doing a good job, but then also is super empathetic and organizational. It's not as if we don't want each of those. And you know, we have a diversity of each of those factors within our company. But I do think that compared to your average programming company, we have a higher focus on people skills. I mean, like my, my business partner and I both um, were, you know, we studied liberal arts, you know, we both studied English. Mm -hmm. um, and so we also, we also are both self-taught programmers since, you know, school days. Um, but I think that that has a big impact in how we communicate and how we interact with each other as people and everything. Excellent. I'm sold. So where do I fly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we, interestingly we might actually be doing hiring sometime soon so if we do i'll uh, i'll send you a link that you can tweet out to people if they if they hear this podcast and go oh that sounds like a good place shall do okay that sounds like a good idea um all right so we're sort of coming around may as well sort of wind up at this point um so at this point i guess i hand it over to you again uh is there anything that you want to plug whether it's a new book upcoming uh, talk or uh, uh, some work, something that you just like to talk about. Yeah, I think um, so on Twitter, I'm at Stauffer Matt. Um, I have been doing a lot of streaming lately. Uh, so if you go to mattstauffer.com slash stream, you can see links to my Twitch and YouTube stream pages and also playbacks of all my previous streams. I love it when people hang out in those because they get to know me a little bit. Um, they get to know Laravel a little bit. And often they give me really great ideas. I mean, it's definitely mob programming where I'm getting, you know, oh, well, why didn't you try this? Or I'll ask the, the, the channel or the, you know, the chat, I'll say, Hey, I'm, I'm stuck on this. Can someone go look that up? And I'm going to go work on this other thing. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's a fun community. Um, so that's one thing, but also one of the things we're building is this on-ramp tool I was talking about. And I think on-ramp is interesting because it is an app that we're building. Um, so people are putting on pull requests or hanging out with me in streams. There's also a telegram chat. 
um, where we talk about this, uh, the, the building of it. Um, but additionally, it's an, it's a learning resource. And so if you are a total Laravel pro or have never used Laravel before on ramp might be interesting for you. And also I'd love your input and your thoughts on it. Um, because you know, for let's, let's say I've got a track there that says, um, Laravel for WordPress developers. Well, if a whole bunch of WordPress developers come along and say, oh, you're missing that, or you should add this, or this is unnecessary. That would be really valuable to me. So really, regardless of where someone's coming from, check out OnRamp and just see if you have any ideas for us about how to do a good job of making it easier for more people to join the Laravel community and, and kind of have, the, as I put it in my talk, I have their lives transformed by Laravel. And I know that's a little bit aspirational, but I think that's, that's kind of the goal. So yeah, I do have a book called Laravel Up and Running. Um, you can just type laravelupandrunning.com. Um, and it's from O'Reilly. And I, I do think it's the best kind of introduction. Uh, it's not technically an up and running book. We named it that originally, and it turned out to be a 580 page book. Um, but if you want to really kind of know Laravel in and out, um, that's a really good spot to go for that. And yeah, I think those are kind of my main things. I mean, of course, if somebody's ever looking for some consulting work, we're uh, Titan, T-I-G-H-T-E-N dot C-O. Excellent. Well, thank you for um, the pleasure of a wonderful chat. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun. Absolutely was. So what did you think of the session with Matt? Personally, I felt he was so open, so warm, so giving, talking about why he got into Laravel, why he decided to sort of invest so heavily in it. But perhaps maybe more meaningfully for me, I really loved how he shared why or what he looks for when hiring developers. I think that's a really, I think that's a wonderful outlook to have. Anyway, I could go on all day, but that has to be a wrap for this episode. You can find out more about anything that you've heard in this episode by going to freethegeek.fm forward slash 33. There you will find links to all the information that you've heard in today's episode. If you have a comment about the show, if you'd like to be a guest on the show or know someone who'd make a great guest, then email me anytime, matthew at matthewsetter.com. Alternatively, tweet me, I'm at freeingthegeek. Oh, one last thing before you go. I'd love it if you could give the show a rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever it is that is your podcast platform of choice as it helps the show be better found by other developers. And I'll see you next Thursday at 1300 CET when I sit down for a fireside chat with my mate Stefan Koopmanschap, otherwise known as Scoop, to talk about user groups, conferences, speaking and building or starting and building a software development business. I'll talk to you then.